Good evening, church. Thank you for joining us this evening for our Wednesday night Bible study. Um, today we're going to be looking at our class on Ecclesiastes, which is hosted by Jeff Watson. Um, before we get started this evening, I just wanted to run through um, some of our instructions on the new interactive component that we've added to uh, our Zoom-based Bible classes. Uh, let me see here. So basically what we want to do, just kind of reiterate what we did last week uh, for those who may have uh, missed this instruction, but uh, when Jeff uh, wants someone to read or volunteer to uh, read a, a scripture or make some a comment or something like that. Um, you can do so by selecting the raise hand button, um, which is going to be this little icon here that says uh, raise hand. Just go ahead and click that and that will notify uh, myself or another uh, IT person behind the scenes who will then allow you to speak and you can read and uh, fulfill your request at that point, and we will be able to notify when you're ready to, we will be notified once you're ready to speak uh, or volunteer for, um, to read. Additionally, on the iOS or Android uh, Zoom application, you will also notice that there is an icon for raising your hand as well. Um, And once we select you to speak, you may get a prompt that says either the host would like you to unmute and you can then go ahead and select the unmute button here. And then you can actually go ahead and speak. Just make sure you click that uh, button there. And this is the uh, mobile version. So you may see something like this on your cell phone, Android, iOS, uh, whatever you're using. And one final point I'd like to make, of course, is just to be aware of the background noise um, in your room. Of course, if you can hear it, we also will be able to hear it. Um, and of course, that can be distracting for the host and um, speakers. So with that, I will turn this over to Jeff and he will get started. Thank you. Just getting my slides together. I'll be ready in a second. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Laurel Church of Christ Wednesday evening service. My name is Jeff Watson, and this quarter we will eventually be studying the book of Ecclesiastes. Before we begin our study, I would like you to consider a couple of scripture. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. 
Now, these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the end of the ages have come. Also, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. At this point, I would ask if one of the men would volunteer to offer our opening prayer for the class. Go ahead and raise your hands. Okay, Steve Thornton, please go ahead. Hoping that you can hear me, I offer this prayer for the congregation. Dear Lord, our most gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. We don't always understand you, but we know that you have a much greater mind than we do. It's always looking out for us, your adopted children, ones that you created in the beginning, Father. And we thank you for the opportunities that you've given us, although sometimes we're a little bit overwhelmed by the responsibilities that we have. Father, we pray that we will have an open mind as we study these scriptures and understand that the Old Testament is written for our edification as much as it was for the specific instructions for the Jewish nation. Father, we know that we have the New Testament that gives us a way of salvation. Help us to understand that your word is perfect in every way and that we should appreciate the things that were done, the sacrifices that were made, and all that has been done to get the word to us. Especially thank those that are presenting the lesson tonight. Bless them in their way of presenting the lesson to us, help us to have open minds and open hearts to take this, help us always to understand that you are in charge of everything. Pray this through the mighty name of Jesus the Christ, as interpreted by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Last week, I started off by asking you if you ever use the phrase, God's mysterious ways. I will continue with that a little bit. Uh, last week, I spent a little time describing how it came about I'd be teaching this class. Uh, to briefly summarize, uh, I had just canceled our fall travel plans due to COVID-19, and I just happened to be reading Ecclesiastes when I received an email from Ricky, just so happening to ask me if I'd like to teach Ecclesiastes this fall. While I agreed to do so, there's just a bit more to the story. So back in June 2020, I thought surely by September, we will be back together in person meeting at the building. So, you know, teaching in person, um, I'm a little 
shy talking in public, but I give it a go. Okay, I guess I'll give this a try. But trying to do this online, absolutely no way, never. Not, not going to work. That's not me. That's not how I operate. Just now. Nah. Additionally, in the email that Ricky sent me, he said, you know, the format really doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about making slides or any uh, of that extra work. So I thought to myself, okay, if I don't have to do slides, yeah, that will be less involved and I'll be able to get on with it. But if really a slides are a requirement, uh, I don't know. I think I'd really rather not. Here we are in September 2020. Here I am three months later doing a webinar using Google Slides. Just proving again God's Proverbs and God's Word, Proverbs 16.9 in particular. The mind of the man will plan his ways, but the Lord will direct his steps. Okay, an outline that I went over last week of what the class would be like. To begin with, we're going to study the author who identifies himself in Ecclesiastes 1.1 as the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Now, last week and this week. Uh, then for the next couple weeks, we'll be looking at his other writings, which are more than just Proverbs. And then the bulk of the class will indeed be spent in Ecclesiastes. We will get there. So what have we learned so far? Well, the thing we learned first is we're going to try to make this a more interactive class if possible. Uh, raise your hand, please, to offer prayers when I ask or have scriptures read. And occasionally I will be asking questions and asking you to use chat to type in very short responses. Now, what have we learned about Solomon so far? We know he was the son of David, and he actually was an ancestor of Christ. After dealing with the treacherous brother who tried to seize the phone, Solomon became king when he was approximately 20 years old. After fulfilling some of David's final requests, Solomon married a daughter of Pharaoh. Solomon went to the high place at Gibeon and offered a thousand burnt offerings at that altar. God asked him what he wished. Solomon asked for an understanding heart and to discern good from evil so that he might best judge his people. God was so pleased with Solomon's request, he promised him actually three things a wise and discerning heart, which would, was and would never be equaled. He promised him Richard, riches and honor beyond that of his peers. And conditionally, he promised him long life. So that is about where we finished last week. And so we're going to pick it up from there, and we'll be in First Kings. So after Solomon is given this in-depth wisdom, we read about his famous judgment. Uh, it's in 1 Kings 3, 16 through 27. We're not going to read it all. But at this point, I would like to ask for a volunteer 
to read a verse. So raise your hand if you would like to read. Okay, B. Robbins, you're up. First Kings three, sixteen through twenty-seven. Oh, which uh, one? No, just three through twenty-eight. I mean, three twenty-eight. Okay, there we are. When all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king. For they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Thank you very much. So obviously, you know, his very first that we recorded uh, judgment certainly sent his people a message of what he was capable of. We read more about his wisdom in the next chapter. Uh, again, I'm looking for a volunteer to read a, a few verses here. You notice they're not consecutive. There's a verse there with a lot of proper names, and I, uh, I'm going to skip that one. Okay, uh, Huckabee and Tam, you're up. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind, like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Men, men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon, from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Thank you very much for the reading. Uh, again, the verse says it for itself, the verses here, uh, about the fame of his wisdom. And we will be looking at some of those 3,000 Proverbs and at least one of those songs uh, in a future date. Also in chapter 4, we have some information about Solomon's kingdom. Again, I'm going to be looking for a volunteer to read a couple verses. Okay, Jerry, go ahead. First Kings 4, uh, 21 and 24. Now Correct. Now Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. For he had dominion over everything west of the river from Tefesh even to Gaza over all the kings west of the river, and he had peace on all sides around him, all around about him. Thank you, Jerry. So now uh, the river is mentioned in this passage. So I'm going to ask you a question. What river is being referenced? So go ahead and chat. And if you think you know the answer, go ahead and type it.
So either um, we have a lot of people know the answer or a lot of people trust Kevin. So here is a picture, uh, an approximation of what the kingdom looked like. Uh, in green, this is more or less what present-day Israel looks like. And in yellow, what Solomon's kingdoms was like. So it would be current Israel with part of Egypt, a portion of Jordan, Lebanon, and a good portion of Syria. Also, if you look at the very top of the picture, if you can make that out, uh, it shows that that border was the Euphrates River is what we believe. Okay, the next thing we know that Solomon did was he built the temple. So we're going to go back to where uh, David gives Solomon instructions about building up the temple. So now we're going to be in First Chronicles, and I would like a volunteer to read a few verses. Okay, host, I'll need one of the hosts to read this verse for me, please. Certainly. Behold, a son will be born to you, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all of his enemies on every side. For his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, the Lord be with you, that you may be successful and build the house of the Lord your God, just as he has spoken concerning you. Only the Lord give you discretion and understanding and give you charge over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord, your God. Thank you, host. Uh, in First Kings, the chapters 5 through 7 describes in a lot of detail the building of the temple. Uh, we're not going to be reading all those, but I would like to read a, a couple verses from there. So if I could have a volunteer to read First Kings 5, verses 4 through 5. Uh, Brent Smith, you'll be the man or the woman if you're not Brent. But now the Lord, my God, has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. Behold, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. As the Lord spoke to David, my father, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place. He will build the house for my name. Thank you very much. So as we read in Chronicles, God promised that his son would have rest on every side, and that would be a time where the temple could be built. And here Solomon recognizes the time and starts the building.
1 Kings chapters 8 and 9 describe the dedication of the temple. Again, we're not going to read a lot, but we are going to read a couple verses out of here. So I'll be looking for a volunteer to read 8, 22 through 24. Go ahead, Ricky. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. He said, O Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all their heart, who have kept with your servant, my father David, that which you have promised him, Indeed, you have spoken with your mouth and have fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Thank you, Ricky. And uh, if you want to take the time to read more of 8 and 9, uh, there's a lot of beautiful prayer to God uh, in those uh, chapters. Okay, uh, time for a question. I say, Sheba, you think what? Give you about 20 seconds. Go ahead and chat. And tell me what comes to mind when you think of Sheba. Okay, I think I was able to keep up with some of the chat and you all said queen. Now let me tell you what we think of in my household when we think of the word Shiva. We think of this. We adopted a cat a couple years ago. He looks kind of like that cat down there. And he taught us very early on that for dinner, he wants salmon, and he wants the Sheba brand of salmon. So uh, I guess it all depends on where you're coming from. I was hoping we'd find some cat lovers out there in the audience, but I get, I get it. Okay, so now let's read about the uh, visit by the Queen of Sheba. I'll be looking for somebody to volunteer to read a few verses out of 1 Kings chapter 10. Okay, let's go with Brent Smith again. Now, when the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the names, the name of the Lord, she came to test him with difficult questions. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king, which he did not explain to her. When the Queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built. And she said to the king, Behold, the half was not told to me. You exceed in wisdom and in and prosperity the report which I heard. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, 
to set you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Thank you for the reading. Uh, so, the story that we're hopefully somewhat familiar with, but uh, he did more than impress her. She came uh, after hearing about all these reports about how extravagant and intelligent he was and came by even overwhelmed uh, that he was even more so than had been reported to her. Okay, now we're going to read a bit about God's second promise, uh, Solomon's riches. So I'm looking for a volunteer to read a couple verses. Okay, Abba Fuat, you're up. Now the weight of gold which came into Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold, besides that from the traders and the wares of the merchants and all the kings of the Arabs and the governors of the country. Thank you very much. So now I have a question for you all. Take a guess. What would a talent of gold be worth in U.S. dollars today? And I'm going to trust you all not to run off to the Internet. So 20 seconds. What is a talent of gold worth in U.S. dollars? Okay, I got a few answers there. You're all getting closer, but think bigger. So here is an estimated answer, and this is for people that are like me. For those of you that are more like my wife, and believe me, I showed her this slide before I presented it to you, so with permission, A little over two million dollars uh, was what a talent of gold be worth today. And at a minimum, Solomon was getting 666 of these a year in addition to all of his other's income that he was getting in other ways. More about Solomon's riches. Again, I'm looking for a volunteer reader. Okay, Debbie. So King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. All of the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. They brought every man his gifts, articles of silver and gold, garments, weapons, spices, horses, and mules so much year by year. Thanks, Fred. So God has certainly fulfilled his promise to Solomon about both the wisdom and the riches and how men from all over 
thought an audience with Solomon uh, to learn more about his wisdom. Okay, I have another question for you on chat. And I know it says average up there, don't worry. Uh, we're not doing a math class, it just seems that way. But my question for you, is there anything you do on average about once every three weeks and or maybe every 10 days and have done so for a long time, say the past 20 to 40 years? Go ahead and respond in chat. I'm going to give you all a, a little bit more time, but uh, yeah, Ricky, I hope you uh, attend worship or Bible class more than once every three weeks. Okay, keep typing away if you want. I'm going to go on to uh, what I came up with for me. Uh, even my wife told me, you know, three weeks is kind of an odd window, maybe every two weeks or every month. But I came up with for about every three weeks, I call my sister. Uh, she lives on the other side of the country. And uh, I call her. She doesn't call me very often. That's just the way we work. And then I was trying to think, of what do I do roughly every 10 days? And I came with, up with, I have pizza. I probably have it more often, and I probably definitely have it too much, but that's what I came up with. So this leads to another question for you all. On average, let's talk about Solomon now. Is there anything Solomon did on average once every three weeks and or every 10 days for 20 to 40 years? Again, reply in chat. I'll give you about that 20 seconds to uh, try a response. Okay, there are a number of good answers out there, but this is what I came up with from 1 Kings 11.3. He had 700 wives. Uh, we don't know exactly when he started marrying them. Um, I'm assuming at least after 20 years age when his first wife or around age 40 is when he completed uh, the temple and the palace and all that. So. Um, he averaged a wife every 10 to 20 days. Okay, uh, I'm gonna look for somebody to do another reading for me. So volunteer, 
uh, while we're getting that set up, uh, if people want to try to guess what Marito Cave means, go ahead and put your answer in chat. But right now, I'm looking for a volunteer to do some reading. Okay, we will go with Huckabee and Tam. Okay. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, You shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away from other gods, or after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. Thank you very much for reading that, and we'll see this uh, warning uh, echoed in the past. So I'm going to look for another volunteer to read. Out of Deuteronomy this time. Okay, Monica Johnson. When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you're entering to possess it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and stronger than you. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from, the, from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will quickly destroy you. Thank you very much for reading that and taking on all those proper names. Uh, sometimes I think maybe I should put in red letters if there's going to be a lot of proper names in the reading. Um, I didn't see anybody with any guess about uh, Marito Cave, so let me tell you, that is Latin for husband beware. So I guess. From man's point of view, we could certainly say Solomon had it all. Riches, the wisdom, he had God. But I need somebody to read this very sad one verse. Uh, B. Robbins, go ahead. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David, his father, had done. The big turning point in Solomon's life is right here at this verse. A few uh, chapters earlier, he uh, made his request for wisdom and uh, God was so pleased, he promised him so much. And here we are some number of years later and we hit, come to this verse. So God responds, looking for somebody to read. 
Uh, Tunisia, please. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Was I reading and, and nobody heard me? I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I, I didn't see the mute thing. Okay, I'm sorry. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. So the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father, David, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Thank you very much. And now God uh, fulfills that promise. Looking for another reader. There'll be some proper names, but don't be afraid. Okay, Steve Rosie. Then the Lord raised up an adversary to Solomon, Hadad the Enamite. He was of the royal line in Edom. God also raised up another adversary to him, Rezin, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord Hadadezer, king of Zobah. Then Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and Ephraimite of Zerida, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, who also rebelled against the king. Thanks, Paul. So God, uh, as he promised, is about to tear the kingdom away, not from Solomon, from his son. Uh, the third adversary that mentioned there is Jeroboam, and God offered Jeroboam a deal. So I'm looking for a volunteer to read uh, a couple more verses. Okay, uh, Deborah Crown, you are up. I will take you, and you shall reign over what, whatever you desire, and you shall be king over Israel. Then it will be that if you listen to all that I command you and walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight by observing my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build you an enduring house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. 
Uh, thanks, Farron. Um, I think I have the verses wrong up top, but I did actually get the reading I wanted to have happen. Uh, I'm assuming that this promise that God made to Jeroboam sounds very familiar to you because it sounds like the promise he made to Solomon. He made to David. It sounds like the promise he has made to all of mankind about walking in his ways and the blessings that mankind will receive if they do so. So we remember what God said to Solomon, if you walk in my ways, then I will prolong your days. So I'm looking for somebody to do a final reading for me. Okay, Vaughn Harvey. Thus the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was 40 years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of his father David and his son Rehoboam reigned in his place. Thank you for that. So to our best estimate, Solomon died when he was roughly 60 years old. Um, I am almost 59, and uh, so this rings hits home with me a little bit, and I would like to think I would have longer days than that. You never know. But uh, Solomon did, because uh, this was a conditional promise, did not get the, uh, the benefit of long days. Uh, that is the completion of today's class. Uh, thank you for attending. Thanks for all the readers. And to close out, I am looking for Amanda Volunteer to lead our closing prayer. Okay, Ian Huckabee. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, uh, please bow with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, wonderful lesson provided to us. Please help us to uh, go more according to your will, Lord. Please keep us together, even though we're, we're apart physically. Let's keep us together in your will and your way. Until our next appointment meeting, thank you for everything you provide, Lord. In, his son, in your son's name, amen. Amen. Good evening. Um, this is Dean Morris. I'll be leading singing this evening as soon as the slides come up. And we're going to start with Oh, How I Love Jesus. After that, Calvin Mitch will be doing our discussion and Du Bois Murphy will be doing the closing prayer.
First song is Oh How I Love Jesus. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me, it tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of his precious blood, the sinner's perfect feet. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. First John, chapter 4, verse 7 reads, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. It's interesting, when you turn on the news, when you flip through the newspaper, there's not a lot of God seen. And part of the reason why there's not a lot of God seen is there's not a lot of love. God is love and requires us to be loving to one another, to care for one another to have that compassion for one another. This whole idea of agape love, that sacrificial love that will drive us, that will guide us to help those who are um, in need of help, support those who are mourning, support those who are in danger, Love those who aren't loved. 
part of what we see in our society today is a lack of love. But we have a responsibility as Christians to show the world what love looks like, what love feels like, what love looks like in action. God has given us the ultimate sacrifice through Christ Jesus, the ultimate sacrificial love. I oftentimes think to myself, man, things are really crazy around here. <laughs> but a lot of times I should be thinking, man, there's a lot of opportunity for me to show love to those who may not know God, those who maybe forgotten God's love, or those who are just in need of his presence. I thought about this just because love is a word that we use in our modern language, and I would almost say we abuse it. But this love here is an action-filled word full of blessings, full of encouragement. This type of love will take you from your lowest valley to the highest peak. God is love. And likewise, we should be love. So today I was thinking that we should be thinking about how we can demonstrate love to others. Because I all, we all have a responsibility to do so. And quite frankly, our society, our neighborhood, our street, our community, they won't know love unless we show it to them. And we show it to them by demonstrating the love that we were given. You know, that mercy that we received the grace that we received, the patience that God has given us, extending that to each other, loving each other in a merciful way, in a gracious way, in a loving way. God requests, requires us to love each other, and I challenge us tonight to do just that because that's what God wants from us. That's what God desires from us. And that's what God gave us without requesting, without begging. He gives us to He gives us love and He gives it freely. So much so that it's it's overwhelming how blessed we are and how much we are loved. So tonight, if you're not a Christian and you're looking at this world and you're thinking to yourself, what does love look like? What love looks like is Christ Jesus, who was a God, who is a God, and will always be God, came on earth, walked amongst people, died on a cruel cross, but didn't stay there. He rose again. Can you imagine loving someone so much that you would give up yourself? Imagine this giving up your life for people who you know will revile you, who will um, curse your name, who will um, not honor you at all times. That's us. 
but Jesus laid his life out for us. He became the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate high priest, so that he would know what it's like, so that he would have a, he would be able to give us an example of love. I would encourage us all to, to do that. And if you're not a Christian, you can be one uh, with Christ, put on him in baptism, according to Acts 2, 38. And maybe you are a Christian. And maybe these, these times have got you caught up. And maybe you just don't know where to turn. And maybe you just have forgotten or lost your way. Either one of these are your petition. You can uh, email uh, the elders or put your prayer requests in the chat. Uh, and we will be able to accommodate uh, your requests as we sing the last song. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon is I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing is my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let us all pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for bringing us together. And Father, help us to learn from the life that Solomon lived. And Father, help us to show that we belong to you through our love. Knowing that if we love, we are born of you, God. Help us to have our love be something that is a love of action. Father, we pray that you be with us through the rest of this week. These things we pray in Jesus.